You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I'm riding on my bike. I'm going round the block. No, I can't cross the road. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm so happy here, cuz. I'm just riding on my bike. I'm going round the block. I'm checking out the dog. Good morning, and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio show for Monday. The 2nd of March 2020, and we acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners from the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the previous hour of current affairs. My name's Chris, and uh, Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio, we're a little show about cycling and related transport issues coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. And, uh, hmm... I hope you enjoyed Sydney Road Festival yesterday, a whole bunch of things going on and we're just starting to ease into autumn and taking stock of what a catastrophic summer we've had and what we need to do to move forward and take stock. Okay, last week's rather big issue in the media was what was happening down in Geelong. So today I've got two interviews and uh, first up I'll be speaking to Dr Fiona Gray and then Simon Howe, from, um, he's from the Bicycle Users Group Geelong. And it's about Greater Geelong Council's vote at their last February meeting to remove the recently installed um, on-road, or I should say separated, bicycle lane on Mallop Street, which was part of the Green Spine Project down there. Very, very interesting stuff, and we're just going to tease apart the issues there. Uh, in news, you may have seen another... Let's make Melbourne a Copenhagen-themed uh, article. And uh, I love these articles. I mean, you know, it was this is by Nicholas Reese, contributor, Melbourne City Council. They're, they're great. But I have to say, after looking at um, or observing the development of Melbourne over 30 years, which part of Melbourne are we speaking of? I mean, OK, uh, we have things in the pipeline like the suburban rail loop and you know, things for the outer suburbs possibly. But I'm telling you, and you would know yourself, if you live in Melbourne, there is a phenomenal difference between the inner suburbs, the middle suburbs, and all that developer um, wild, <laughs> wild west further, further out. Uh, which part of Melbourne are we speaking of? And it's it's a great it's a great article you know it goes into all the you know the thing you know the touch touch base with a marvelous Melbourne thing of the late eighteen hundreds and you know the opening paragraph is you know lovely itself yeah imagine imagine a city with beautiful and protected public spaces and boulevards a city obsessed with good design urban planning where medium density neighbourhoods are walkable well serviced by public transport a wealthy city which is becoming more prosperous prosperous i.e. rich, by leading the world in sustainable industry, which is, end quote, uh, begin another quote, a city which is plans to become carbon neutral by 2025 and where just 3% of the household waste ends up in landfill, a city whose population is measured in the millions, yet where the majority of people cycle or walk 
to work or school every day. These achievements are a distant dream for many Australian cities. Most civic leaders could scarcely imagine the place that combined them all. Now, it goes into, you know, hey, this exists. It's in Copenhagen. Yeah, okay. Um, look, I, I, love, I love the article. Don't get me wrong, but it's which part of Melbourne we're we talking about. Uh, you know, there's, there's places out in the western suburbs are being built that don't have uh, street names yet. There's places that don't have adequate public transportation. There's, I could go on and on and list it off. You know, it's it's more what the developers could build up until like with, you know, within the, you know, regulatory frameworks that we have on the outer suburbs. But, and it's, yeah, you know, you're almost looking at two, three cities here. Or, or I should say population densities and different requirements. I mean, in here, yeah, it's great um, to a certain extent. We still have conflict with on-road stuff. Um, middle suburbs, getting better. Outer suburbs, not sure. I really am unsure about this, but uh, it's a good article. I'll put a link to it. Uh, it's kind of also trying to drift it in with, you know, what's happening with uh, the you know, transport priorities in this state. East, uh, North East Link, Westgate Tunnel, still kicking on with Melbourne Metro, but really uh, a lot of stuff should have been done 20, 25 years ago. Hey, I'll get off my soapbox. I'm going to take a break and I'll be back with, hopefully with Fiona Gray, talking about what's been happening down there in Geelong. So, here you are, too foreign for home. Too foreign for here, never enough for both. Idioma umebinyo, diaspora blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Ayan. We're excited to be launching on March 2nd. Connect with us by following the show on Instagram at 3cr.diasporablues. Back with Yarabalski Users Group Radio. Are you there, Fiona? Yes, I am. How are you, Chris? I'm sorry. We just had a few technical issues. That's okay. <laughs> so we've got to hear Sarah again. So a little bit about yourself and um, the, your involvement with that Geelong CBD project. Yeah, sure, Chris. Um, I am a professional, my professional training is as an architect and a researcher in urban ecology. So my particular focus in research is um, on regional issues through my role as a an adjunct associate professor at the Centre for Regional and Rural Futures at Deakin Uni- University. But I suppose my specific interest in the Green Spine Project is because of the um, former role that I had at the City of Greater Geelong as the manager of uh, Central Geelong and Waterfront, where I was very closely involved in the implementation phase of the the Green Spine, because that role was really to lead Council's contribution to the partnership with state government to deliver the revitalising Central Geelong action plan, which um, the Green Spine is, is one project of several projects in that plan to try and encourage um, more people to live in the CBD and, and re- really to revitalise the city by attracting sort of more private sector investment into the area. 
Yeah, because like Geelong being like a regional area, you're part of like, was it the G21 down there? That's all that sort of interlinking, yeah. Yeah, so the G21 um, is made up of five councils in that region. So um, the Revitalising Central Geelong Action Plan is a really key part of not just revitalising the CBD, but because of CBD services, um, that region, it's important for the whole region. Mm. So we come to last week's council vote, and this has come after a phenomenal amount of consultation and the implementation of part of the green spine, or you know, and we're only talking about a part of this, aren't we? We're yes. then voting to remove um, a, an off-road, or I should say, a separated bike lane, which is part yes, of this green spine. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the the project went through a very long gestation period. The I suppose the idea of a green spine came out of um, much earlier work that was done as a collaboration between the city, um, the state government, Deakin University and the Committee for Geelong, which came out of a project called the Vision 2 Project and that was done way back in 2013 and that really developed sort of six catalyst ideas of how we might revitalise the city and, and there was extensive community consultation done at that stage and with a, and also a host of you know subject matter experts and key stakeholders were all involved in developing that vision um, and then that's what where the green spine originally came came out of and then the state government and the city worked together to develop a plan to actually implement it um, and and further consultation happened then as well through, uh, you know, in, in much more sort of practical, tangible ways that the, the community could see what a green spine might be like through a, a pop-up installation that was done in Mallop Street. And that sort of, that, that pop-up was really about introducing some more greenery, introducing some outdoor furniture, um, putting um, more trees in, the, in, in a median strip. So they're all temporary, but it was done to test and determine whether the concept would be well received by the community. And, and it was, it was really well received. And so that sort of gave um, gave confidence to really push on with um, the full plans to deliver that, that first stage, which is really just one block of six blocks, which will, you know, if the overall vision is realised, the idea is to connect the two significant green spaces in Geelong City, so being Johnston Park at the West End and the... Um, Botanical Gardens at the East End. There's six city blocks between there, and the idea is that the green spine would um, would connect the whole way along. So this was just one block of, of the first, uh, the first of six. So, and then this council vote occurs last week, where when, when we've ju- you've just you know part of the process has implemented one block. So yes. this is really interesting because again, it was part. Uh, as you're saying, uh, the state government um, involved. Uh, and it's just about parking in a turning lane. Uh, this doesn't bode well. if Because um, uh, was there an actual, like, officer's report provided or was it just a, a, like a vote was put up? That was it. Yeah, no, there, w- there was no officer's report. Okay. There was a motion put forward by yep. one councillor. Um, and an alternative motion was put forward by another councillor, um, and that, that, that those um, motions were debated on the night. But um, so my understanding of the motion and reading of the motion is that really it was designed to address that the reason why it came to the, the chamber was um, concerns that had been raised about issues of traffic congestion um, and the, 
the solution to that that was being proposed was re- the removal of the separated bike lane on the north side and, and reintroducing turning lanes and increasing the amount of traffic. But I suppose the concern that I have with that is that um, that's exactly what the green spine was designed to do. It was designed to disincentivise traffic um, in order so that we could prioritise pedestrians and cyclists. So the very fact that you know a portion of the community is complaining about the street not being conducive to easy traffic flow, to me, is an indicator that the project is actually doing exactly what it was designed to do. So, um, and this, this, I think this needs to be seen in the broader context of the holistic vision of revitalising the CBD. It's not just about this one strip. Of course, if we um, disincentivise traffic in one street, then we need to look at how um, traffic is accommodated in other areas. But as I said, this is just one small piece of a much bigger puzzle. So to have this kind of response um, in the very earliest stages of its implementation, um, I think is is fairly short-sighted. And given that many cities across the world are looking at or actually implementing yeah, pedestrianisation, you know, making cities more walkable and not so car-dominated, and we could, you know, there's so many what, positive economic arguments about, like, making cities um, less car-choked and or less car-dependent. Yeah, and this absolutely. seems to be running contrary to... Um, it, it seems to be, like, you know, this, this one motion that was put up in the meeting last week seems to be a bit of an ambush. Yeah, I, ca- I can't say how it occurred, how it, how it got to council, because I'm not, you know, privy to the machinations yeah. that go on behind, behind closed doors, but um, it's... There was, there had been a request back in December for a council report to be delivered um, on the green spine, and this motion that was put forward to um, pull out the separated bike lane um, put a stop to that. Uh, so, so this actually, this motion was put before that report could actually um, be presented. So, um, in terms of, you know some kind of objective evidence to support the motion, I think that's really lacking. Well, they've cut the nose off the spot the face because there's been a hell of a reaction from the state government, Lisa Melville um, making public statements and state government going, well, we don't know if we can work uh, with this council if they're going to pull things like this. Because this was like $2 million in ratepayers and then there was $8 million overall, I think was the... Yeah, so there was $8 million involved in the actual implementation of that first stage and Councillor Manane is um, quoted... And, and I don't know where these figures have come from, but he quoted around $2 million to um, pull out the separated bike lane. So for something that's been there for less than a couple of years, to have spent $8 million and now spent $2 million ripping out part of it, um, does seem fairly irresponsible, fiscally at least. And, yes. and this isn't just... Um, it's not just the city's money. It, it, as you said, it's state government investment has been involved. So, uh, you know, the, I think the risks... Um, to Geelong are greater than just this block. You know, I think mm. it, it really does put a, a strain on relationships with the state because it is meant to be a partnership. Um, so to do this without um, the support of the state government seems, um, well, it just, it just seems a bit foolhardy, I think. Mm. Anything you just want to say in closing about uh, where we go from here? 
Uh, look, I would probably... I don't know where we go from here, but I, I certainly don't think we've heard the last of it. I know that there's been a big community backlash and um, and obviously the state government has, has expressed their discontent with it all. So I would really just urge people to, if they are concerned about it, if they do care about the livability of the city too, there's, there are things that are happening. Yes. Uh, there's an online petition, so I urge people to, to sign that. Um, you know, write to the councillors and, and request them to rescind, rescind this decision or write to, to um, state government and let Lisa Neville know that, you know, you don't want this to happen. So I think there's ways we can express our voice. And I think Geelong Bike Users are also organising an event this week as well yes. for people to have an opportunity to talk. So hmm. I think there's, there's lots of ways that people can let it be known that they're not happy about this decision. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time today and just uh, bearing with us. <laughs> there was a little bit of a... Uh, no problem at all. Yeah. Thank you for your time Thanks today, so much, Fiona. Chris. No worries. Bye-bye. Underneath the ground at the Olympic Dam Mine, there is an old sleepy lizard. BHP is mining right into that lizard named Kulta, and it's not so sleepy anymore. The old frog and lizard... I really know the mining company gotta go. The lizard returns protestable 2020. Uncle Kev is putting out the call. This is an invitation to all people and protectors of the land and waters to get involved in the creation of autonomous zone as we move for peace and justice. BYO your own creative response to the nuclear industry and BHP's water theft. Keep an eye on the Lizard Revenge page on Facebook or check out our website for history and info and updates on the lizardbitesback.net. The Lizard Returns Protestable, the 3rd to the 6th of July, Arabana Country. See you there. A 3CR supporter. So my name's Simon Howe. I'm involved in Bicycle Users Geelong. We're a group that operates in Geelong that exists to really promote the interests of uh, cyclists, whether it's recreational cyclists, commuting cyclists within the city of Geelong and the surrounding area. I've been involved with the Geelong Bicycle Users Group now for a year and a half or so, or I'll come out for two years. Yeah, this is uh, certainly a challenge, this uh, latest development. Can you just give us a bit of a, an overview of how long this uh, separated bike lane was and what it did down there in the Geelong CBD? So it runs along Mallop Street, which is uh, one of the main shopping areas of Geelong. Uh, runs north and south on that road. The impact it's had is it's reduced the traffic flow along that street, so it's brought down from, from two lanes down to one lane. It sort of intersects with various pedestrian crossings, got a number of, sort of small trees and, and sort of bushes and stuff, and it, you know, it's won a number of awards for the way it's been designed. It's just quite incredible that that's something they would uh, think about um, taking out. Can you just give us a little bit of a, a description of what we're talking about, um, sure. the actual issue, what's happening in Geelong? Yeah, so the issue is that at a council meeting last week, 
the councillors voted narrowly, um, mind you, they voted uh, six to five for the removal of a separated bike lane on Mallet Street, which was just just constructed around about two years ago, voted to remove that at a cost of $2 million, $2 million for Geelong ratepayers. And the purpose of removing it was to create a turning lane and to provide, I think, some on-street parking, but essentially to increase traffic flow, uh, traffic access to this uh, busy shopping area in central Geelong. This is of interest to us up here in Melbourne and probably other places. There's been like a long consultation process. Um, This is to involve like this bike lane you're speaking of. It also involves, uh, was it the Green Spine in Melbourne? Yes, that's right. Because where it's interesting up here in Melbourne and other places is, okay, from a Melbourne perspective, we've had you know some things to do with uh, sustainable transport and cycling-related projects, which have gone through lengthy consultation processes, and everything seems to be going swimmingly. And then at some point, it gets spiked. And people in Sydney would be listening to this going, this sounds very familiar because... It was an opposite situation up there in Sydney, just bear with me for a moment, is that you had a proactive uh, council like City of Sydney putting in separated bicycle lanes and you had an antagonistic state government who wished to remove a couple of lanes. They they took out College Street and it was to do apparently to do some of the light rail construction, but you could tell the overwhelming theme of it was political. Could you say this was going on down there or was it... uh, it's quite different in Geelong yeah. because this is essentially, I mean, it was an individual councillor's motion, the councillor's Eddie Contelj, who has certainly made some uh, some controversial decisions in his time as, as councillor. But it was his motion. It was, as I said, passed fairly narrowly. It was, uh, it was voted six to five. But one of the six was the, unfortunately, was the mayor of Geelong, who is a cycle cyclist herself, which is surprising. But it sort of uh, irked the state government. And um, one of the potential issues with this decision is it does uh, pose a significant risk for future state government funding. That's the um, interesting point of this, yes. Absolutely. So, you know, the state government, is this, this doesn't really align with the way they're going, this is sort of just a group of councillors which have, have seemingly made this decision. The interesting thing here is that the decision to create the green spine and to put in this separated bike path was voted on by the previous council, but after a long period of public consultation. So that long period of public consultation decided this was the, the right decision to make. And then that's just been flipped around by this uh, decision by a group of councillors from this meeting last week, which is, uh, yeah, it's, it's really disappointing and, and it's, it's a major backward step for the city of Geelong. With this process, though, was there any vehement public backlash or you were saying that the vote itself was very tight? So was That's there right. public feedback and do you reckon there was a bit of caucusing going on prior to the meeting? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not across the whole of the background of that. And I know that it was it was on the agenda uh, for the, the council meeting. And there was, uh, as, as part of uh, the council agenda, they did take into account the community feedback. But there was no, it wasn't a consultation process as such. It certainly wasn't anything like 
what was uh, undergone to put the bike lanes in in the first place. So, you know, it seems a bit of a, a knee-jerk reaction. They're citing the councillor in, in his motion, citing things like, yeah, I think he, he said that, that there was general disagreement with the uh, the way that the bike lanes were operating from a, it says here, uh, actually the traffic, uh, I'm quoting directly from the, the notes from the, the meeting agenda. He said the traffic, uh, the local population had expressed their, dis- not disappointment, their anger at, at the way in which this had impacted on vehicle traffic. It, it was said that there was support from this from the uh, local population, but I'm not so sure that that's in fact the case. So how can they base a, a, a council-wide decision upon what feedback, what benchmark? Yes, no, I mean, it, it, it's it's uh, staggering, really. Yeah, um, this is very bizarre because you said that well, there was $2 million that was uh, ratepayers, right. and there was yep. there 8 million all up that came from the state government, or was that therefore part of it? I think it was part of it, but um, yeah, I mean, certainly that there was substantial costs in putting this in, uh, in place in the first place, and now uh, the council's talking about it's looking like it's going to need a spend of around about two million dollars to to uh, rip it out. Was there any council report presented to council? that uh, stated this or was it based upon feels you know i'm, I'm trying to get to the yeah. root of this and it just strikes, yeah, strikes me as very odd yeah. of was um, there a, a, a council report stating that there was adverse outcomes from this initial project or not, was not, it just a motion put it was a motion put i mean that there there was some feedback about um which you know generally the the council tables uh, general feedback from the community on a range of, it, of issues involving council matters and, and some of those were not in favour of the green spine but some were obviously in favour of the green spine as well the thing is the actual transcript from the so the meeting minutes haven't been published yet mm-hmm. um, so I'm not able and I wasn't at the meeting myself uh, colleagues of mine live streamed it but um, I wasn't unfortunately able to make the meeting so I'm waiting for the trans- full transcript to be published so we can see exactly what was said and what arguments were put in. Where do we go from here? You said uh, wait for the uh, council minutes to appear at some point. What do you um, as the bicycle user group, what, what do you plan to do? Yes, so we've uh, got a, a series of meetings planned where we're catching up with some other bicycle groups within the Geelong area to sort of work out a, a plan of attack and, and what can be done in regard to this and so what options we have and so we're just trying to work through those it's interesting there is council elections set for october of this year so we're in an election year but uh be interesting to see whether this decision which has received quite a bit of media both in geelong and the geelong advertiser ran a big uh, article the following day it was in the age, it was reported on the ABC, so there was a, there was a lot of media given to this. It'd be interesting to see what... what well, it, um, the state government have said that like, this this really put the brakes on any kind of future funding with that council. Yes. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so how can people get in t- contact with your group if they want to get more involved with this issue? Yeah, Bicycle Users Geelong has a Facebook uh, presence and also there's a website as well and you can register, you can subscribe through the website to receive update yeah the more the merrier that we would um, love to hear from people who are interested in, in not only this issue but making geelong a safer better place to um, cycle 
uh, and enjoy. The federal government has just announced plans for a radioactive waste dump in Kimba on Bangala country. BHPs is expanding the Olympic Dam uranium mine. Now is the time to join the radioactive resistance. Hit the road with Friends of the Earth Melbourne's Nuclear Free Collective as we travel to frontline communities and see how the nuclear industry impacts people. The radioactive exposure tour will run from April 10 to 19 this year. More details on melbournefoe.org.au slash radtour2020 or contact us on radexposuretour at gmail.com. Foe's Nuclear Free Campaign is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Yarra Bosco Users Group Radio. That's all I've got time for this week. Don't worry about the interview. That's going to be played in full in the podcast. And quick bit of news and events that... Bicycle Users Geelong, we're having a Mallop Street action and they're having an emergency meetup and they'll be on 4th of March, Wednesday from 6 till 7.30 and that's going to be at the Novotel Geelong at uh, Eastern Beach Road and uh, basically a meetup of riders and people concerned about the council's decision to scrap the bike lane. So get along to that. That's all I've got time for this week. Thank you to Fiona and Simon for making time to be interviewed today about the green spine issues donate to 3CR, you know, all the stuff that I usually put on the spill for that, just go to the 3CR website and check what you need to do. Up next, we've got She-Bop followed by Black Block. Three CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. To find out more, Google Vacro or drop into the underground car park. Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.